0: Five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We're going to be talking about branding, digital fraud, and direct mail today. So we're starting with Tom Fishburne. Maybe we should take media context into account. See, that would be a great place for a, uh, (laughs) a great place for an underline. And we've got a dumpster and a dumpster fire and your ad here. Maybe we should take media context into account. Yes, well, possibly. Well, we have an excellent illustration from Tom about that. Um, where an ad appears can sometimes communicate more than the ad itself. Okay, this is really bothering me that I can't put underlines in everywhere. And I really don't know how to get it to. I don't know how to get it to. To give me the the underlines that give me the menu that's unbelievable to me I did reboot my computer last week and that always messes with things but anyway Keith Browning I did underline that LinkedIn's brand marketing global lead uh, t- told a story about an experiment Joshua Bell one of the top violinist in the world ran one day Joshua stepped into a metro stop in DC and played a 43-minute solo concert during the morning commute over a thousand people passed within a couple of feet of him but only seven people stopped to listen and only 20 paused long enough to drop a donation in his violin case he made just over $32 two weeks earlier he had played to a packed house charging $100 a seat at Symphony Hall in Boston and I, I think I also saw him or someone doing a similar experiment. You know, they thought, well, maybe the subway, people are in a hurry. You know, that would just not be a great place. Maybe if we did it inside of a – I think one was a bank and another might have been a really luxury hotel, you know, where they try to get a, a different geodemographic. And the results were basically the same. It was fascinating, right, that without the accoutrements um, – no one paid any attention, and when people paid, they did pay attention. I've also seen uh, similar stories about um, Somalier events, where, or or at least casual ones, where you know the the bottles were labeled with fancy labels, and those were rated the highest, uh, or they or people were told this was a a 99 rating by by uh, wine connoisseur magazine or whatever. And uh, this is a 50 rating. And they'll always rate it consistent with that because they don't want to be thought uncouth. Okay, so advertisers early in the use of programmatic, this is from Keith again, uh, early in the use of programmatic buying, advertisers early use of programmatic buying was often based on the assumption that targeting trumped context being able to target people whenever and where whenever you wanted allowed you to reach them more efficiently. Since ignoring content lowered costs, it must be an improvement okay context okay not content. Um, and so you can tell I'm a bit flustered. and so uh, I I didn't do a, I've never done a lot of digital advertising you know I've worked primarily with mailers and helped them be more more effective and more efficient. But in the context of mail, we regularly mailed to uh, to subscribers of relevant content magazines, and um, you know it always worked pretty well. It didn't work as well as people had bought similar items or people had bought from us recently. But it did work, and uh, it always worked better than the geodemographic selects that we were tempted to try, and we did try them every now and then, test them against our other lists. Um, So, you know, this seems self-evident to me. It's like, well, duh. But the the one premise I really have, have a question about, and if you're a digital advertising expert, you can maybe explain this to me, but... This sentence that I didn't highlight, being able to target people whenever you wanted, being able to target people wherever you wanted, can you really target people in digital? Do you really know who you're targeting? Because I don't think you do. You, know, you, might, if you might target people who visited a particular site or you might put a banner ad on a particular site. But then again, that's context, right? But when you're using an ad buying network, often even that's relatively invisible and lost. Um, Many strategies still apply the same logic, especially when it comes to response. If you can get enough people to click on an ad for low enough cost, then it doesn't matter where your ad appeared. And again, click is not the same as buy. You know, click in the direct mail world is like you went to the mailbox and you glanced at the envelopes. That's about the level of a click. And maybe you bring them back and you glanced again as you... Put them in the trash. That's about a click. A click is the is the engagement that all mail generates. We generate we generate a recognition of the of or or at least an assumption that we recognize what the mailer is about. <clears throat> and um, oftentimes we get a longer one if we have a little more deceptive envelope. But that doesn't always reap rewards in terms of the actual buy it can actually be counterproductive and I've mentioned that before okay so um, it's tempting to use ever more advanced analytics to optimize marketing ever more efficiently around these outcomes in other words believing that you're actually getting it to the right person you know hard to say however That would be a huge mistake, and the Joshua Bell experiment helps explain why. In a post-cookie world, taking context into account is suddenly in vogue again. And yet, one size doesn't fit all. Not every brand will look at context the same, nor will every consumer. Marketers need a more nuanced approach from the blunt hammer of brand safety, in other words, just of trying to avoid a disaster, to the more careful evaluation of brand suitability, which is always what we were going after because we were going after a sale, not a click. And here's a few related cartoons. Mmm, smells so good. Mmm, smells so good. Our ad tech vendor said it doesn't matter where an ad appears as long as it's the right audience. And of course, I'm get, I'm thinking it might be the right audience, and it might even be the right message if it's a bar. You know, if this if these urinals are are you know in the context you know of a sports bar, you know you probably will sell some pizza. Because people don't think to maybe to buy pizza when they're coming for a beer and watching the game. Okay, Just saying, could work excellent. Could be excellent context, right? And that's maybe what he's talking about in the terms of nuanced. Okay, are the digital ads we buy actually being seen? Absolutely. This is more my perspective. Almost half the time, at least 50% of the pixels for a whole second, hopefully by a human. Maybe on a site without porn, but there's no way to verify that. That explains the low CPM. That means price, for those of you non-advertising people. Cost per thousand? Yes, it's a great deal. It's a great price. Does that mean it's a great value? Not necessarily. This is one of my favorites. Is our digital ad spend effective? Sure, after we pay agencies and tech vendors and exchanges and we lose some in thin air, but is the rest of it effective? According to all these impressions, see, trending up, and then the robots say, I wish we had some money to buy some of the stuff on these ads we keep clicking on. Right, we can't buy. And so then Dr. Augustine Fu, who I follow and admire, and we did an interview on the, on the show not too long ago, uh, he's been fooling around with AI uh, spokespeople. So he's hired a new spokesperson for his perspective. And I think I have that queued up over here, so we'll try and get that to work. And here she goes.
1: Pernicious retargeting fraud. Retargeting is where advertisers show ads to users that have visited their site before. This might sound like a good idea in theory, but most people experience retargeting as, quote, those creepy ads that follow me around the Internet, even though I already bought the thing. Further, advertisers may not realize it but retargeting is also a favourite playground for bots. Retargeting fraud is where bots first visit an advertiser's website to collect cookies. This makes it appear they expressed interest. Then they go to fraudsters' cash-out sites to cause ads to load there. This helps fraudsters get a higher CPM and earn more money because the advertiser pays more for retargeting. Note that the higher click-through rates you see in retargeting campaigns are because bots clicked on the ads, not because retargeting works better. When was the last time you clicked on an ad especially a retargeted one
0: and here is the is the transcription of that which is probably how the how the bot read it you know she sure is better at that than abraham lincoln was when i went to the when i went to disneyland in uh 1970 or something like that 60 68 Uh, but he gave the gettysburg address i think uh, and moved his mouth in (laughs) anyway so what he's saying is, is that the bots click on your, well, when you advertise on a site uh, that's fraudulent accidentally, uh, especially if you're not taking context into account too, too much, but you're, look, you're looking for the lowest price and the most reach for the least money, the bots will come and click your ad and then go to your landing page and, and go to your shopping cart and then leave which will then trigger an ad response. Although uh, Brian DeLette in his interview with me said that if if a bot stays doesn't stay long enough, they don't trigger, and this is retargeting with mail, uh, they don't trigger a retarget. And if a bot stays more than some a few minutes, then they figure there's not, well, actually, their testing indicates there's not much extra impact of sending a retargeting. Interesting, I thought. So, if it's too short or too long, like Goldilocks and the three Bears, but if it's just right, then they'll send the, the retargeting and so a uh, very big problem that you don't know who's seeing your ad and you don't know what those clicks mean, and maybe you're getting ripped off even when you're thinking about the context and um that's why we always used we always use publications when we use publications we use ones that we knew what they were that they were legitimate and there was a difference between um there was a difference between the complimentary ones that you got because you were in engineering or something versus the ones the paid publications and those always performed better okay how strong is your direct mail this is from dirk Swisser swisher and uh, i just discovered him the other day we're connected but um he has a really really extensive library of direct mail tips And this one I found the other day because it was from uh, from May 11th this year. So how strong is your direct mail foundation? And again, that deserves an underline. Uh, Your mailing list, um, the basics still need to come first. This is really good. Let the creativity flow. However, the basics still need to come first. Before setting your designer loose, take a step back and make sure you've covered the fundamentals. And one of the things I recommend having ran a, a direct marketing graphic design division the designers work for the marketing department that's that sounds trivial i know because they probably do but um when i got to the to the company i found that the designers told the marketing people what to do when you set the designer loose or before you do make sure the fundamentals are covered i see this all the time i was just working with a uh, very beautiful catalog company and they didn't realize, they thought I was just a design guy, but I, I mean, just a data guy, but I'd started in design. And I said to them, your type is too small. Uh, I'm sure you have, I have, I have very rich people in your, in your geodemographics. I've looked at their geodemographics. They sent me their data. And I'm also sure when the owner of the company who I was talking to went to the designer of the diner and said, pff, 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 you're going to ruin our catalog. You're going to totally destroy it. And I said to him, you can do a back a black plate change you can test it very inexpensively just make the type a little bigger or a font that's a little less open a little more readable and uh, you can leave the headlines alone that's fine and uh, so it's almost a free test especially if you're printing on a digital press it, it, it literally a free test um, my goodness but rather than test listen to the designer and i haven't heard back from them i will call again but i'm sure that'll be the story because that's always the story i was told that by my designers you're going to schlock it up right well the first test i ran generated 40 percent higher response without a word of copy change or type change or anything in the body of the copy just the cat just the image on the cover not even a word of copy or anything on the cover just a, just the image that we put on the cover and uh, I've told that story before. So anyway, rightly, Dirk says the mailing list is where you start. And again, wish I had the underlines. Is your mailing list current? Are you mailing to the right people? Are the names up to date? Are the duplicates uh, or even triplicates are there that need to be called? Now, be a little careful with that because oftentimes, especially if you if you have a if you have a uh, a product that is bought repeatedly. Um, you know, I've tested back in the early days of direct, of of merge purge, we would we tested the elimination of duplicates, and it never raised the response rate. It could lower the circulation. But what happens is, if you mail people too many catalogs, you know what they do with them? They dump them in the trash, yeah, or they mail them back to you, yeah. I mean, the biggest thing merge purge did for us was, uh, you know, the the boss would. Tell me that somebody complained they got seven catalogs or something, <laughs> and usually it was in a zip code like that we had a, a, a office in, or or they were decoys or something. There wasn't it wasn't a legitimate customer, but um, so it, it lowers the complaints. I'll say that, but often it, it increases the pass along. I should say it's interesting, and I've told that those stories also before, uh, but he's right. Start with your mailing list. And um, and I would say you might want to send it out to somebody to for profiling, uh, find out what what it indicates, but don't take that as gospel because sometimes your profile just indicates what you've been what you, where you've been advertising in what context. Segmentation, whether or not you're doing full personalization in your mailing, could still use basic segmentation. This is very difficult. Oftentimes the match rate's low. It'll give you some idea, but usually that's a profile, and and that'll give you about as much as you're going to get. You might speak differently to families with children than with retirees. You might, but mm, if you have a good, strong offer, that probably doesn't matter too much. Probably isn't worth the trouble. Data accuracy, mm, that sounds a lot like cleanliness of your mailing list, Um, but... You really have to be careful. Product Products do not necessarily indicate, you know, customers purchasing infant formula do not necessarily have young children. They might be grandparents picking up necessities, right, as he says. So, uh, but if customers subscribe to new baby, again, subscriptions, especially if they pay to subscribe, that makes a big difference. Call to action, make it bold. You know, I worked with Oakley, uh, and they had their response message Hidden in the body copy. I told them this will definitely not work. Um, multiple response mechanisms, URLs, personalized QR code. And make the QR code visible. Don't hide it in an image because people miss it then. They know what it is and they know what it's for. Um, a tear-out card maybe and a phone number. Bullets in white space, starburst, underlines I added. Um, make it easy to read. Make it clear. Uh, and I've raised response rate 20% just by cleaning it up a little bit and include a postscript uh if it's a letter that is (laughs) might not it might not make sense on a postcard um so thanks for that dirk uh a really good checklist to make sure you're covering the basics no matter what your graphic designer cooks up have a great day like and share your friends will know you're smart bye-bye